This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وقال لفتيانه اجعلوا بضاعتهم في رحالهم لعلهم يعرفونها إذا انقلبوا إلى أهلهم لعلهم يرجعون فلما رجعوا إلى أبيهم قالوا يا أبانا منع منا الكيل فأرسل معنا أخانا نكتل وإنا له لحافظون قال هل آمنكم عليه إلا كما آمنتكم على أخيه من قبل فالله خير حافظا وهو أرحم الراحمين ولما فتحوا متاعهم وجدوا بضاعتهم ردت إليهم قالوا يا أبانا ما نبغي هذه بضاعتنا ردت إلينا ونمير أهلنا ونحفظ أخانا ونزداد كيل بعير ذلك كيل يسير رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله على اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد once again everybody assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh i'm going to try to cover ayahs uh, 62 to 65 today of surah yusuf uh, this is a fairly straightforward part of the story but i know that a lot of you tune in with your families and there are kids also listening and this is not a part of the story that's meant for adults but rather a part of the story that a lot of people get confused about and especially if you read the english translation it's not very obvious Uh, actually, I even did a litmus test with Valerie, had her read the translation, and she even said that this is not very clear to me. So what I'm going to try to do first is kind of lay out the scene for all of you so you understand what's happening here and what's being talked about. And then we'll go into the phrases in some detail. So, you know, there are two things that I want you to get out of these sessions at the very least. The first of them is to understand how the story progresses, right? So what actually happened and what is Allah saying happened? And the other is what can we learn from it? How does this benefit us? What are some lessons and wisdoms that we derive from it? So those, both of those parts are kind of, you know, have to be taken into account. So let me just kind of set the scene from where we left off last. Yusuf salam has now had an encounter with his brothers. They didn't recognize him. Uh, the, you know, Egypt has gone bankrupt. Uh, you know, the people have gone bankrupt, but the government has storage of food. And neighboring countries, neighboring villages that are beyond the Egyptian empire, because it's not a super world power yet. Uh, but those other regions are also starting to go bankrupt because of the drought. They don't have food either. So now people are starting to bring whatever savings they have, whatever money they have to buy food or at least to buy seeds or whatever so they can replant or try some something at least, right? So people are bringing in all of their goods. And so uh, Yusuf's brothers, who are now older, we can assume they probably are adults and have families of their own. So they've gotten married and they have children of their own, whatever, right? That's, that's all happened because there's still not a bunch of teenage boys hanging out. That's changed. It's been many years since then. So they have families to feed. And they're going to come with, you know, whatever you know, money they had saved up because the only place they can get reasonable prices for, for food is in Egypt because of Yusuf salam. Otherwise, there would be very high prices for food because people would take advantage of that need. That's what I talked to you guys about last time, right? So when they come, Yusuf recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And Yusuf salam sees that they didn't bring, not all 11 of his brothers didn't come. His youngest brother, who's younger than him even, uh, the Bible calls him Benjamin. Our Mufassirun call him Binyamin. His name is not mentioned in the Quran. But he's the one that's, that shares a mom with Yusuf salam. So something I didn't mention is Yaqub salam had more than one wife. And the 11 sons that he has... They're not from two wives. They're from three or four wives. And so each of, every few sons are from a different mom. That's what it is. The dad's the same. There are multiple moms in the story. Okay. So the mom that, you know, so they're all his half brothers in that sense, right? So they share a dad, but not the mom. But the one that's his whole brother is, is Benjamin, is Benjamin. That's the youngest one. So the last two are from the, the last wife of Yaqub alayhi salam. Those are the ones that they didn't like so much. So when they didn't have, 
Yusuf to pick on, they were picking on Benjamin. And when they didn't, didn't say, well, dad doesn't love us because he puts all his love and attention on Yusuf, they got rid of Yusuf. Oh, great, Yusuf 2.0. That's him. So they couldn't get rid of him, but they were still treating him badly. And Yusuf could assume when he saw them, he recognized them. He also recognized that they haven't changed much. And he figured out pretty quick, even though they didn't spell this out to him, that they are probably treating him the way they used to treat me. And I need to do something to salvage this situation, you know, solve this situation right now, immediately, right? So he put, he starts putting together a plan. And part of that plan is, listen, you have brought to me the record that says that there are 11 of you, and then there's your father and your families and whoever else. Where's the 11th brother? And they say, well, he didn't come. Our dad doesn't let him come with us, et cetera, et cetera. He says, well, I don't believe that you have an 11th brother. And if you did, he would be here. So I, I cannot give you, because you know each person has one camel load, if you will, of food, or one horse load or mule load, whatever it is, per family, right? So they want food for all 11. But they're only going to get food for 10. They're not going to get food for the 11th. And he says, I'm not going to give you that until you bring him back to me. And if you fail to bring him back to me, that means you're lying. That means you tried to get a free extra cargo for like an extra family. And you falsely reported that you have a brother. Now he knows that's not the case. But he's trying to let them know that you can't trick the authorities like that. You have to prove yourselves to me. And that's why you're going to bring him back to me. This 11th brother of yours, you need to bring him to me. That's what we studied before, right? So, and he's making it look like this is a legal proceeding. This is something they have to do to make sure that they are not held accountable for lying to the government to try to get funds from the government. By the way, it's interesting that in some countries uh, where Muslims are a minority and they have been given different kinds of provisions, they take pride in lying to the government for getting benefits and say, well, it's the kuffar, we're getting it from them. It's, it's the kuffar's money, so it's completely halal, right? <laughs> and here you have Yusuf salam taking care of a majority nation that isn't believers. And he won't let anybody be taken advantage of. But under that legal framework, he says, you need to bring my, you, you know, your brother. to, And if you don't bring that brother, then don't come back yourselves. Basically, that's the summary of what I've shared with you thus far. Don't even come back yourselves. You're not going to get any food from me here. There's no way you're going to get anything. Kail, by the way, is measure in volume. So no bags or no storage, no food storage are you going to get from me. It's not about weight, it's about volume or size, right? You're not going to get bagfuls or, you know, mulefuls from me. And not only will you not get that, you're going to not be allowed in this country anymore. Now they know because they know what the situation in the world is. This is the only stable place left. If they don't have access to that, they're doomed. So that having said to them, he sends them off, right? Now they're, they're gone. That's what we did last time. And they tried to convince him, no, no, don't worry. When we go back, we'll make sure that we pull him out of, away from his dad. We'll get, we'll get our dad to give him up. We'll get it done. Don't you worry, sir. And that's when they leave, right? So they're going because even though they got food for this year, short of one, they don't want to lose the chance to never be able to get food again. Because they don't know how long this drought, this economic crisis is going to last. So they need to make sure that they come back. And this time they come back with Binyamin. You with me so far? So with that said, now they've come back home. And they came back home with these bags full. And now they're going to have a conversation with their dad. But before that, Yusuf salam did something that we didn't expect. So listen to this carefully. And he said, meaning Yusuf said to his young servants... So Fityan are his own personal servants. Which is pretty cool because earlier on he was the Fatah. He was the young servant, right? And now he's got young servants. And he's telling them what to do. So what does he tell them to do? He says, Take their goods and put them in their bags. Now this is, sounds weird, but let me just help you understand. They came in, let's just say, with bags of coins to pay for food, right? Those bags of coins, they hand over to the treasury. Their names are written. This bag was handed over by so-and-so, 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 family of so-and-so. This many bags of rice, this many bags of flour. That's what you're going to get, right? So there's a record of what payment you gave. And there's a record of what you're supposed to receive, right? Now, now they gave, they handed over the bags of money, the coins, whatever the currency they had. They handed that over. Now they're waiting to receive their food supply. 
Then earlier on, you saw when they came to Yusuf salam, he made sure they got their food supply. We read that already. So he loaded their food. So now they have their food. They can go now. They paid the money. The money's been deposited and they got their food, right? Now Yusuf salam told his servants, go back and find the bags of money that they deposited. Get me those exact bags that they handed over with the money, the exact coins that they put in that in that bag and bring it back to me. And when you're loading up the flour and the rice and all that stuff into their, into their cargo, slip those bags back in. Slip those bags back in. So I want you to understand by analogy what's happening here. You paid $100 to buy something from the store. You handed over the cash. You received the goods. You walk back home. When you walk back home, you take stuff out of your bag and the $100 that you put in there, literally, you just for fun, you, you signed your name on the $100 bill. And the same exact $100 bill that you used to pay at the grocery store is in your bag. Wait, this isn't even some other $100 bill. This is the one that I, that I gave away. You understand? So he, before we go further, I want you to stop and think about what's just happened here. Yusuf Alisam is running such a tight ship in this government that not only does he control what people pay, but exactly which coin was given by who and which bag was it put in is on record. So you don't have to ask them, hey, what did you pay? Like nobody gets their paperwork lost. So he can tell his servants, go and get the money that they paid, their goods, what they gave in order to get the food. Go exact, get exactly that. And he says, so that they can under, they can recognize it. Wait, this is the bag I paid with. These are the exact coins that we gave. Coins weren't printed in a mint like nowadays, right? They're kind of they're they're not as standardized as they are now. So when they have their own coins that they took so long to preserve, they know what they look like. And plus, their own currency is not Egyptian currency. They brought gold or whatever they brought, silver, whatever precious metals or currency they brought is from their land. So it's not even Egyptian currency. So they clearly recognize it, right? So Yusuf has given them all their food and has actually paid for all of their goods too. Given them their money back without telling them. Put it back in their bags. And that's what he told his servants to do. Now, this raises, before I go further, let's, as we translate, let's understand the questions that this raises. Yusuf is in a position of government. And those monies that are being deposited are not his personal funds, those are government funds, right? Those are government funds. So you could argue, well, why is he using government funds and taking them out and putting them into his family's account? Because isn't that what that sounds like? Because they paid the government money and then the money's back with them, right? It's not his to give back to them. But technically, there's something, so that on a technicality, there's something called discretionary funds, meaning as a governor, Yusuf salam can decide, this one just give them free food. This one give them their money back. This one go easy on them. You know, there's the law, but a good judge will apply the law hard line sometimes, and other times they will go easy and relax the penalty or forgive the ticket or, you know, take the points off the license or reduce the sentence or let somebody go free for apologizing. The judge can do that, right? So the judge has that discretion. They have that room. He's been given that room to make whatever financial decisions he wants. That's not considered corruption on his part. So he can, and, and what is he doing it for? He's giving that money because he's actually interested in saving a life. He recognized that their hatred can be so poisonous that they were ready to kill me. And if it gets that bad, they might even be ready to kill who? My brother. So he allows for this to happen. My reading of it, this, the Quran hasn't clearly mentioned this. But Allahu A'lam, I feel that the mention of fityanihi, that he told his servants to go do this, his servants don't have the authority to take out those bags. You understand that? So he most likely even personally paid with his money, his own savings, put that money in the treasury and got their exact coins out and gave to them and had his servants do that. So that it's, you know, the treasury is not affected by this. So on the one hand, legally, he does have discretionary right to do that. But I, I would imagine that he actually even, you know, uh, redeposited whatever those funds were. In any case, so he puts this, have, has his servants put this, this, these bags in. The thing is, these are servants, right? That he told them to do this. And if you tell a servant, hey, grab those bags, put them in there. Isn't that all you need to do? 
And a servant is a servant or a slave. Actually, these are not interns. These are slaves, right? A slave is not going to say, excuse me, why? Uh, you're a slave. You do whatever I tell you to do. Do I have to explain myself with my instructions to you? No, I don't, right? A, a slave master does not have to explain his instructions. He just tells you what to do and you do it. You're going to do it because I told you to. Do you understand that? Now listen to the ayah. He says to his slaves, his, his young slaves, he says, place their bags, place their goods back in their bags so they can so that they can recognize them. When they reach back to their families, when they return back to their families. Does he have to explain to these young servants, I want you to put this back so that eventually they recognize that it's theirs when they go back to their families. That's an added detail that those servants don't need technically. All the servants need to hear is what? Take the stuff, put it in the bag. That's it. Why are you doing this, sir? That's above your pay grade. I'm the prime minister of the country. You're the luggage carrier. I don't need to explain why I'm telling you to do something. You understand that? But it seems Yusuf went out of his way to explain to his servants, you know, make sure you put this in there so they, when they go back home, they can recognize it's the same money. That's number one. Then he says, وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ he, he, he didn't stop there. He said, oh, not وَلَعَلَّهُمْ, just لَعَلَّهُمْ, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they'll come back. So that they will come back. Now let me explain what this means. When they get back home, the expectation of Yusuf is they're going to find all this, you know, this food that they got. That's great. They're unpacking the food. They find all the money they saved up that they thought they spent to get this food. They didn't lose a penny of it. All of it's back. And they know the king did this on purpose, Yes. So they now know that the king is extra generous to them. There is no... Because you know how he said, if you don't bring your brother, don't ever come near me again. Now they're like, there is no way we're not going to take an opportunity to go see that king again who set us up for an extra year. I mean, this must have been a few years of savings that they barely scraped up to get this food. And now they don't have to do that again. It's free. It's basically they got a year's worth of food for free, Right. And they still get to hold on to their savings, which means they can go back for round two and buy it again. They can do that. And that's all because of the king. So they're definitely going to come back now, especially with the king that did them this kind of favor. So Yusuf says, But the thing that gets me curious here is, Allah is not telling us that this is why Yusuf did it. Allah is not telling us that. Allah is telling us that Yusuf told his servants that. Right? He didn't just tell his servants put the stuff in there, put the money back in their bags or in their luggage. He said, put it in their luggage so when they go back home, they'll recognize it so that they'll come back. In other words, the leader of the nation is teaching his most, basically lowest salary, cal lowest caliber servants, the servants, like the cupbearer, like the bread maker, like the luggage carrier. He's teaching them his thought process. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't have to. So the first thing to note here is he wants to, he, he could, you know, at the very base level, he wants to make sure they understand this is very serious instructions. Don't just say, oh, they deposited a hundred, grab any hundred and put it back in their bag. No, I want the exact hundred they put. I want that exact stuff back because I need them to recognize it. Right? And even at, that could have been instruction enough because I need them to what? Come back. So hopefully they come back. And even the servants who are used to being told, and they're, why should I follow? Because I told you. Yusuf could use his position, his authority, alayhi salam, to tell people what to do. But even in that position of authority, he tells people what to do, and then explains why he's doing it, why, why they should be doing it. What's the larger goal? Why? The first reason you can think of is, he's been in that position. He's been a servant. And from servant to, to running the country, he knows any young man can have potential. Any servant can have potential. And I picked up these things on my own. But I can teach these young men, these servants, how to think like a leader. We don't know what they're going to be tomorrow. We don't know who's going to carry this mantle tomorrow. Isn't that incredible? That he sees potential even in his servants and says, everything I know and the way I think, I'm going to give you that too. I'm going to teach you, not just tell you what to do. It's a remarkable thing. Then, on top of that, Yusuf 
wants his servants to not have a different opinion of him behind the scenes. Like, oh, he told us to put the bags in their bag. Really? He could just do that? Man, I wish I could do whatever I want. Like he could just take the treasury's money and put it wherever he wants to. Because they could they could follow his instructions but have evil opinion about him later, right? And he he shouldn't have to care what people think of him. He shouldn't care. Nowadays, we know really well how politicians don't give a damn about what people think of them. They don't care. I mean, there's one funny clip I saw a long time ago of an actual politician that the country shall not be named. He got he got he lost his position for corruption. And he said, it's unfair that I lost my position for corruption because this one and this one and this one also have corruption and they get away with it. We should have equal corruption. Everybody gets away with it. I should get away with it too. He wasn't complaining that they should get caught. He was complaining, it's not fair. We all get to be corrupt. How come I get caught with it? <laughs> so let me play along too. Everybody has equal chance to be corrupt. <laughs> right? And he was actually blunt about it to the public. Open about it to the public. It's no big deal. But this is Yusuf salam, even to the lowest you know, strata of society, let, having them understand that he's transparent in his thought process. That he, he wants them to understand that what he does is for a greater good. I want these people coming back. And there's a larger motive for them coming back. So, it's just the fact that Allah mentioned that he said this to his servants is really beautiful to me. You know, and fitian doesn't just mean servants, because um, you could say khuddam for that too, or you know, abid for that too. But fitian also means young servants. So it's also interesting that Yusuf Aysan keeps young people close and gives them these instructions, and then basically is a mentor to them in, in, in telling them what to do and helping them how to you know helping them think about these things. Then finally, when they got back to their father, so now the scene is changing. Their bag. Now you guys understand what this whole bag thing was about, right? So they got their money back. We, we, they haven't opened the bags yet. But Yusuf is anticipating that's what's going to happen, right? That's the that's the idea. When they finally got back to their father, قالوا يا أبانا من الكيل. Dad, the 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 bags of food, the kail, the score that we were going to get, has been denied of us. We've been banned from going back. One of its meanings is One meaning is We couldn't get the 11th one 11th load We were deprived We were denied that extra load Right Another meaning of this is We are being denied any further loads Because if they don't go back with Binyamin They're denied any further loads So we've been denied any further loads So send our brother with us We will get the full load Meaning there's one bag missing one load missing, we're going to get it. You need to send our brother with us. We'll go back and get it. Okay. This is Arsilhu uh, Ma'ana. Earlier on in the surah, send him along with us. That, that was said earlier on when they asked for who? Yusuf alayhi salam. Yarta, he will eat to his fill. And now send bin Yameen. And we will get the full load so he can eat when he comes home. Because we don't have his food. We have our, our food. We don't have his food. You want him to eat? You need to send him with us. Naktal wa inna lahu lahafilun, and we are ab- we without a doubt are going to be safeguarding him. We're going to be the watchers over him. Exactly the same words they said way back when, when they said to to father, "Can you send Yusuf along with us?" Inna lahu lahafilun is an echo from that time. It's literally the same words. Not very smart to go to dad. Who you asked for a brother And you literally said Inna lahu lahafilun, We will guard him And then you did what you did And dad knows that you pulled a scam And then you come back And you want to take Binyamin Even though you should want to take Binyamin But the words that come out of your mouth Are the same ones you used to try to try to scam, you know, scam your dad So many years ago You say Inna lahu lahafilun, We'll absolutely guard him We'll keep him safe dad We're going to make sure he's safe Obviously they can't send Binyamin by himself because if he goes by himself, he's in more danger. The roads are dangerous. The economy is tough. People don't have enough money. People are going to get robbed, right? So we have to go with him. And we have to present ourselves with him along with our brother. Because that's that's the case. Now you, Yaqub is going to respond. He said, so I'm going to tr- entrust him with you. 
I'm going to be safe in giving him up to all of you. Except exactly the same way that I had entrusted you with his brother so long ago. Notice he didn't say your brother. He said his brother. Now this could mean his brother because they have the same mom. Right? His brother could also mean you never thought of him as a brother. You never treated him like a brother. That's his brother, right? You never thought of him that way. That's why you treated him like that. And you think you're going to treat him like your brother? So he could have said your brother, but he said his brother. He didn't attribute brotherhood to them because they didn't act like it. So now he's saying, I should trust you with him just like I trusted you with his brother so long ago. That's what I should do. فَاللَّهُ خَيْرٌ حَافِظٌ Then, you know, Allah is better as a guardian. Allah is better as a guardian. Now, in the previous episode, when they tried to steal Yusuf away, you know, Yaqub salam before he let him go, he didn't say much. But afterwards, you know, he talked about the fear of the wolf and all of that. But after they came back with the false blood, he said, Wallahu musta'an, Allah is the only one whose help I can seek. But he's saying, I'm going to let Allah be his guardian, meaning no thanks. But he's also, you know, some interpret Fallahu khairun hafila, meaning he let him go. I don't read it that way. I think the letting him go is coming a little bit later. He's not letting this one go. Clearly the first part of the ayah is also kind of saying, you think I'm really going to trust you? And Allah is a better guardian, meaning even at home I know he's not safe with you around. The only one who's keeping him safe is who? Allah. Allah is way better as a protector than you are. So it's in a, with under that statement, what he's saying under the surface to them is whatever you're scheming against this brother, I just know Allah is a better protector. Allah will protect my son. Even if I'm not able to defend him against you. And then he adds, وَهُوَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِمِينَ And he is the most loving and caring of all those who show love and care. Now that's a strange way to end that statement. Why? Because he brought up Yusuf. He said, I should trust you the way I trusted you with you, I should trust you with Binyamin the way I trusted you with Yusuf. And when he says the word Yusuf, his brother, the memory of Yusuf comes back. And then not knowing what happened to that boy. Is he dead? Is he alive? Was he tortured? Was he ripped to shreds by an animal? Did he die of hunger? Is he a slave somewhere? What, what, did he, what became of him? Does he still have his faith? What, he doesn't know anything. He knows nothing. Right? What is he going through? What, what are people doing to him? He has no clue. And what does he say? He reminds them, Allah is a better protector against you. But he also reminds himself that Allah is a better guardian than I could ever have been. If Yusuf was here with me, or I've lost Yusuf, I wasn't the one protecting Yusuf, Allah was. And wherever Yusuf is, dead or alive, Allah is the one protecting him. And as much as I love and care for my boy that I still cry about, Allah loves and cares for him more than anybody who could love and care. So the one who took him away from me is the one who allowed for that to happen and have Yusuf go through all of those experiences loves Yusuf more than I could love him. It's as if his sabr has reached a kind of maturity over the years where he's not bitter about the loss of Yusuf. He, though he's sad, he's not bitter towards Allah. His opinion of Allah hasn't changed and that's a really profound reality in this ayah. The reality is you can be, you can hold on to sadness and yet hold on to your good opinion of Allah. Because when you and I go through sad you know, experiences, then obviously the one in control of our entire circumstances, every bit of our situation is Allah Himself. Why won't Allah make things easier? Why did Allah put me through this pain? Why can't I see my son ever again? Those are, those are questions that will come into your mind. That would come into his mind. But what has his maturity allowed him to recognize? As much as it hurts me that I'm not with my son, I know Allah is. Whether he's above the ground or under it. Because no one can care for my son better than Arhamur Rahimin, the one who loves and cares more than all those who show love and care. It's interesting that the word Rahim is different from Rahim. Rahim is an ism fa'il. An ism fa'il is someone engaged in the act of doing something. Right now I'm sitting on this chair, you would call me Jalis. Like rhyming with Rahim. If I just sat here all the time, I'd be Jalis. That's not Jalis, that's Jalis. It's an always thing. Okay? So the fact that I'm engaged in the act of sitting makes me Jalis. 
Rahim means someone who's engaged in the act of showing love and care. So you could have someone who's loving and caring, but they're sleeping. When they're sleeping, they're not loving or caring. They're just sleeping. But when they, you know, make you food, or they give you a hug, or they tell you they love you, or what, you know, some affection, they give you, you know, they, 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 they encourage you. In that moment, they are not Rahim, they are Rahim. When he says, Arhamur Rahimin, there's a hope inside of him that Yusuf السلام, is being given directly the love and care of Allah as we speak in every given moment. Allah is Rahim towards him. It's an active participle. It's something that's happening immediately. That's a really beautiful expression that he used. Even if he was here, here I couldn't give him the love and mercy that Allah is giving him right now. The love and care that Allah is giving him right now. And of course, it's a dual statement. He's saying Allah will protect my boy that's with me. And Allah is protecting the boy that's disappeared. He's disappeared from my eyes, but not from Allah. No one disappears from Allah. So, wa huwa arhamur rahimin. Now, when he said this, obviously, Yusuf, Yaqub, they, they said something that they said so many years ago. We'll guard him. We'll protect him. And Yusuf said, oh, I've heard this before. Yaqub, I'm sorry. Yaqub, I'm said, I've heard this before. You're going to do it exactly like you did with his brother? Well, no. Then I'll choose Allah instead of trusting you this time. I'm going to have him protect. And he's the best of all protectors, the best of all that show love and care. Now, it seems the conversation didn't go much further than that. They're kind of ashamed to bring it up again. But they can't say, what are they going to say now? They're, they're kind of stumped, right? Like I said, no, no, well, you know, uh, there's nothing to say. So now they just get busy. Oh, forget it. And they start unpacking the bags. And when they opened up their luggage, when they opened up their stuff, they found the, the, the sellable goods, the, the currency, whatever they brought to sell. They found all of that returned to them. Just like Yusuf had planned, right? So they opened their bags, they're like, what is this? This is what we... Didn't you deposit this? Yeah. And once they deposit it, they see a guy walk away with it, right? Put it away in the treasury. So how is it back in our bags? They put it, they put it deliberately. So they say, oh, we, we got to talk to dad. Uh, we need to go back. Because this this is... So now when they go back to father, what's the last thing father said? You're going to do to him what you did to Yusuf, right? That's what father said to them. So maybe they should address that first, right? Because that's what dad's concern is. Here's what they go back to dad and say. They say, our father, we're not exaggerating. This is our money. This is our goods. It's been returned to us. And we are going to get enough food to replenish our family and feed our family. We are going. And we will guard our brother. In other words, they're not asking dad, what are they doing? They're telling dad. They're telling dad, dad, we're not exaggerating. This is the money we went to spend. It's all been returned to us. Oh, we're going. We're going to feed our families. We're going to feed our families to the full. And we are taking our brother. They're not asking, they're telling dad. And then they say, This is an easy, this is an easy load. Meaning, we didn't have to work for it. We're doubling our money. This is an easy, easy score. There's no way we're letting this go. So now when they came to dad, they didn't try to, you know, ask him or persuade him. They're actually now telling him. I need you to remember that when the first time when they we talked about Yusuf, they tried to negotiate. When they came back this time and they said, send, send our brother, they started with a request. And that request was denied. And, and Yaqub reminded them of what they did with Yusuf. You would imagine when they come back to dad, they would say, uh, whatever happened with Yusuf will never happen again. Or we recognize that you're in pain about Yusuf. Did they say any of those things? No. It's like, you've ever seen those cartoons where you have like eyes and they turn into dollar signs? Right? Kaching kaching. That's what's happened. All they're going to talk about is, our money was given back to us. Uh, we're going to feed our families. We're going to take care of business. And we're taking our brother and we'll guard him. Yeah, 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 we'll guard him. They already said we'll guard him. And Yaqub responded, no, you won't. No, you won't. And now they ignored everything Yaqub said. And they went back to, yeah, yeah, we'll guard him. 
no big deal. And they just kind of add that into the sentence. We'll guard our brother, yeah. But more importantly, we'll feed our families. And we'll guard our brother. We'll guard our brother is kind of like an add-on. We're going, and by the way, we can't go back without him. So yeah, we'll take care of him. We got this. This is an easy score. You're not going to deny us. Otherwise, we'd have to work years and years to earn this kind of money. We're not going to deny ourselves this golden opportunity. We're, we're leaving. We're going. So there's a few things to share with you about manabri. So manabri can mean what more could we want? Baga could be pursuit and the ma could be istifamiya. That would mean what more could we want? Our money was returned to us. So that's how they said it. Ma could be nafiya. That would mean we don't want anything else. We, it's not like, you know, it's not we who want it. We have enough to feed our families. And we can have enough to feed our families for next year. But we need to get in, him food too. So manabri, we're not, what more could we ask for? We have everything we could ask for and then some. That's inside manabri. And then manabri could also mean we're not lying because baga is um, to go over the limit. So in, in a sense, they're saying we're not crossing the line, dad. We're not lying to you this time. We're not over-exaggerating that the money came back and it's a golden opportunity. Look, it's the same money. We're not, we're not doing the same thing we've done before, cross the line. But it's interesting that, and so they're saying basically, one of the meanings is we're not lying. We're not exaggerating. This really did happen. I know it's unbelievable, but that's what happened. Who would believe loads and loads of food is coming back from the great empire of Egypt along with your money? You had zero expense for this trip. Who would believe that? That's unreal. So they say, no, 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 we're not lying. But the interesting thing about Baga is actually Baga can be used for crossing a border, transgressing, committing a crime. And under the meanings, under the surface, there's another implied tone. We're not going to commit a crime against this brother this time because our money depends on it. We're not, seriously, dad, we need him because we'll guard him. We have to guard him. We can't leave him in a ditch because then we can't go back to Egypt ever. You understand? So I said, no, 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 we're not going to cross this line again, dad. We're, we're not going to do that. So now they've, and, and not only did they say we're not going to do that or we're not lying, they're no, they're no longer asking, they're telling. And Dalika Kailun Yasir has been interpreted in a few ways. They said it's an easy, it's, it's a light load, meaning what we have right now is light and we can get something better. But the, you know, the easier read of it, the Yasir read of it, obviously, and that's been mentioned by the Mufassirun also is, this is such an easy way to make a full load of years worth of food. Why would we deny ourselves that? That's an easy load. He said, now Yaqub is going to respond. But before we get to that, that actually I'll share with you tomorrow. So I've, I've gotten up to 65, just a couple of quick things that I want to share about this ayah, this last ayah. Is, you know, what do we learn from it? There's two things that I want to keep in mind constantly, right? What are, how is the story moving forward and what are we learning from it? Those are my two agendas. There are Nahwi discussions. There are, you know, discussions about riwayat and different, different narrations of different interpretations. I'm kind of juicing them and summarizing them for you guys in this series. Even though I'm trying to take a deeper look, anything you can read on your own, I expect you to read on your own. And some of that analytical conclusions, uh, those that I share with my colleagues, those are the ones that I bring to the table when I come before you guys. If there is something more complex, then I bring it before you. Like, you know, Mara Yamiru, uh, the verb that's been used here, it's rare in the Quran, um, maybe even the only case, but, the, you know, Yamiru means to feed your family to the full or to provide enough to take care of your family's food. So they say, we're going to take care of feeding our family. That's the verb that they use, right? So now let's go back a little bit and ask ourselves, what do we learn from these ayat? Now, the first ayat I told you, there is an undertone of Yusuf Alayhi leadership of telling young people not only what to do, but the thought process behind it, sort of cultivating them to think for themselves later on and to understand the moral, you know, moral dimension of things that happen in government. It's kind of crazy that usually when you when you get into corporate or you get into government or you get into big organizations, when you work under the highest brass, they tell you to do corrupt things. And they teach you how to cover things up. That's what they teach you to do. And he's at the highest level. And he's teaching them how to think in a moral, responsible way. At the highest level. It's the opposite. Like the, the corruption usually in governments and in institutions comes top down. Right? And here the, the righteousness is coming top down. It's a beautiful contrast. 
in, in the kind of organization that he's created inside his government. The second thing in, in ayah number 63 is they come back to their father and they're trying to convince him again, you know, but they are oblivious to the feelings of their father. When they talk to Yusuf, they said to him, we'll, we'll wiggle him out. We'll, we'll squeeze him out of our dad. We'll get him to give him up. We know how to do that. And you would think they'd come up with a more crafty solution and not use the same words they used so many years ago that would necessarily be a trigger for dad. The same people who ripped him from his son saying we'll protect him, come back and tell the dad, give us this one that we hate also, we'll protect him. What does that tell you? That tells you that you know people can develop a, a level of insensitivity, almost a blindness to the feelings of those even they live with. You're living with someone day and night. You see them cry day and night. You see them suffer day and night. But you have no sensitivity to how they feel. How your words will affect them. What will, what will they... You know how sometimes words can hurt more than a physical beating. And just the father hearing, we will protect him. What horrible memories are coming back to Yaqub He's not even fully recovered anyway. And now they're saying these words because all they can see is we got to go back and get that food. We got to go back and make that money again. That's all they can see. So they don't, you know, their, their agenda, their, their goal Oh, it's for the family. We're providing for the family, right? So you're doing one thing for the family, which is in a material sense good, but you're slaughtering the family emotionally. You're slaughtering the family's feelings, but that's okay because you're going to provide another bag of rice. So in their head, if you take care of things materially, you don't have to be an emotional support. You could be so ruthless and insensitive. And if you're called out on it, what are you going to say? What do, you, what do you want me to not provide for this family? Who pays the bills? Huh, dad? Who goes out to the farm? You? That, so they're going to talk back like that. Is that not a scenario that we find the world over in families? That you have people, a young man, dad retires, the young man has a job, he's providing now, and all of a sudden his, he got a lip. All of a sudden the wings sprouted, he can talk back. You've, you know, this scenario is a very powerful one. And Allah is describing you could be, and sometimes parents, you know what they do? They start blaming themselves. I did something wrong. I didn't raise them right. And you know, when, when you have someone constantly blaming you, like you're the problem, you're being naive, you're not letting us take our brother, etc., etc., you start taking blame on yourself. Like maybe I am, maybe I'm making my children's life harder. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Don't blame yourself. You don't blame yourself if you didn't do anything wrong. There will be people that will make you feel like you're doing something wrong. When you're not doing anything wrong. They're the ones that are doing something. They've done something wrong. And did they even acknowledge it? That's the other thing. All these years have passed by. And they say this, and we're going to guard him. So directly insensitive to the feelings of Yaqub salam. And that's why you notice in the next ayah, Yaqub is triggered. salam is triggered. He says, I'm going to trust you with him, over him. Like I trusted you over his brother so many years ago. And can you imagine him tears rolling from his eyes when he said these words? Can, can you not imagine the pain that he must have had just to say those words? And I would even know, because you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Later on, we're going to learn that Benjamin was a victim of abuse. He was being mistreated by his brothers. That's coming. And his brother's going to console him. I'm with you now. I got you now. That's, they're not going to hurt you anymore. Who's been watching them getting hurt, him getting hurt all those years? Yaqub alayhi salam. Not only did they rob me of my child, they tortured this one too. Where's their remorse? They have no shame. They don't feel bad. And you might find yourself in a family situation, in a social situation, where someone can do so much wrong, and then they're doing even more wrong to somebody else over again, and they don't even feel anything. They feel nothing. They have no regard for what they're doing. And even if you bring it up, didn't you? Didn't Yaqub bring it up? And when he brought it up, he didn't expect from them that they'll change. He didn't expect from them that they'll show love and care. He realized now is that ship has sailed. I have no expectations from you. Allah is the only guardian left. 
He's the only one whose love and care is sought. That's it. فَاللَّهُ خَيْرٌ حَافِظًا وَهُوَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِيمِينَ Which is an echo from way back when, when he said, وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانَ Allah is the only one whose help can be sought. It is powerful. That, and it's so tragic that when you're in a family, your sons are supposed to be your support. Your daughters are supposed to be your support. Your parents are supposed to be your support. Your siblings are supposed to be your support. Your uncles, your cousins, that's supposed to be your support. When you're surrounded by abusive people, then you say, only Allah can support me. Only Allah can show love. Only Allah can protect. Allah created this structure of family because a spouse is supposed to be clothing, which is a kind of protection for the spouse. A parent is supposed to be like a bird hovering its wings over a nest over the eggs. That's the imagery given. And that's the same image for children, for parents. When parents get older, you become the bird, they become the eggs in the nest. That's what's supposed to happen. This is the, this is the, the protective environment that Allah created family in. That's why he said, save yourselves and your families from fire. Honor the, the relationships of the womb. But you know what? The reality in the Quran is, yes, the teaching is you should honor these close relationships. But the reality is the best of people had no protection sometimes from their own families. And some, sometimes it was physical protection they didn't have. And sometimes it was emotional robbery. Like emotion, they were being robbed and injured every single conversation. And then they're being told they're doing you a favor. Though we're going to feed our families. And what's your concern? Oh, guard, we're not going to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll guard your brother. We'll guard, we'll guard our brother. Can you stop? We don't want to hear this. Enough. We'll, we'll take care of him. We're going. The decision's been made. In other words, yeah, I respect you as my parent. I respect you as my elder. I respect you as a spouse or whoever else. I respect you until I want to do something and you don't want me to then I'll let you know that you actually have no authority at all. I want to put you in your place. So the respect is only until I'm in a bad mood. The respect is only until you cross a line, then I'll, then I'll remind you who's boss. So even though he's the father, and they started with, we're going to ask him, can you send him with us? We will guard him. That didn't work. We're going. Listen, the money came back. <laughs> this is an easy score. We're going, and we're gonna. Oh yeah, well, don't worry about it. We'll guard. And when when they say we'll guard him, of course we'll guard him. Not because dad wants you to. It's not because dad wants you to guard him. Why will they guard him now? Because they can't make their money if they don't guard him. Because the government said if you don't bring him, then you can't have your money. That's why you'll guard him. And so now they're so confident about guarding him, because there's another agenda. You know, and sometimes you're. What you want and what they want, what somebody else wants, the abuser wants, is aligned. But your reasons are something else and their reasons are something else. So they might even do what you want, but they have other reasons for it. But they want credit from you. Didn't I guard? Not for me, you didn't. You had another agenda. You had something else that was going on. This is the, the, the scheming that and the undertone that we have to understand the family dynamics that we have to understand inside of this story why because i remind you i remind myself allah said in the beginning in yusuf and his brothers there are lots and lots of ayat miraculous signs and lessons for people who ask questions for people who have needs for people who inquire i'm someone who asks questions you're someone who asks questions i'm someone who Who's a sail who has needs, you have needs. We're going to have to inquire what are we getting from these ayat. Not the, so the, the two components again, we need to understand how the story is moving forward and we need to understand how we move forward in our lives benefiting from these stories. So now last, lastly, in this last ayah 65, they found the food with them and they, you know, they insisted to their dad that they're going to take this you know, back with them. What I want you to notice here is how they ignored everything the father said. They didn't respond to any of it. The dad brought up Yusuf. Did they even bring up Yusuf? No. Because some, for some people, ignoring what is hurting someone else, ignoring it, like they brought it up, I'm going to pretend you didn't bring it up. I'm just going to talk about something as if we said we're going to guard, and they said before we're going to guard him, and they come back and say we're going to guard our brother. As if we're going to continue talking over you And what you said didn't even count You see that? Because they started by saying we'll guard him And now they're back at what? Yeah, like we said, we, guard, we heard your noise 
we're going to guard him. We got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can find your, this is a form of abuse. This is a form of disrespect that you're hearing someone, but you're, you're hearing them, but you're not listening to them. It just sounds to you. What you were going to say, what you were going to do, you're going to do anyway. You're not really listening. And that's actually the kind of progression that's really powerful. And it's something that can go on inside of a family for many years. You're trying to bring something up. It gets ignored. You bring something up. It, oh, let's go do groceries. You bring something up. No. Um, so anyway, how's the weather? Like I said, you keep changing. You keep what I want to say will stay on the subject. Whatever you want to say, I'll ignore like it doesn't exist. Right? That And that's a very powerful form of abuse. And it can go on for many, many years. Somebody could feel like they're... They don't even have a voice. Like everybody else gets heard. When they speak, it's like there's a mute button on their ears. Nobody hears what I'm saying. There's no response to what I'm saying. And that's what Yaqub had to face. But he's not going to let this pass. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, inshallah. He, when they say, we're just going. It's easy score. We're not letting this go. Then Yusuf, Yaqub is saying, going to make a scene this time. He's not just, oh, Allah, Musta'an, I'm afraid that a wolf might eat him. That's, that day, those days are gone. And he's not powerful enough to do something else. But it's almost like he's standing at the door and saying, I'm not letting you go until you at least do this. I know I'm not powerful enough to stop you. I can't stop you. But at least you're going to do something for me before you go. And that's what he's going to put his, his, his instructions on them. It's a complicated relationship. It's not entirely abuse. It's not entirely love. It's not entirely hate. It's not entirely animosity. It's not entirely harmonious. You know, you can have a complicated relationship with your kids. And so, some moments of it are those of normalcy and love. And other moments they become someone else and you become someone else. You know, in every one of our relationships, there are these sometimes opposite dimensions. Some very complicated dimensions. We're going to see that. On the one hand, they're so dismissive. And then he's going to be pleading with them to do something and really putting them on the spot. And then later he also wants to protect them. He's going to want to protect them tomorrow when we read inshallah ta'ala. You know, he's, he's worried about them too. As much as there is resentment in him for what they did, they're still his kids. He still loves them. That's not going to change. And that's really complicated. So we're going to talk about that inshallah tomorrow. These complicated emotions, these complicated relationships where things aren't textbook. There's not, oh, I hate them and that's it. Or I love them and that's it. I love some things about them. I can't help it. I hate some things. I can't help it. And they both go together and Allah decided that that person's going to be family. What are you going to do? Right? That's why we learn some things from these remarkable people who dealt with these situations. And Allah will give us a good and clear understanding of his book and help us bring its light into our lives. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'anil Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikil Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Take it away.